good, 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 good afternoon. So to everyone who's in the room, thank you very much for choosing to spend your afternoon here with us. Um, I'm Patricia Ogan Faber and I do a podcast show to help people and it's called Maximising Property Values. It's on all the popular platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible, all the shebang. And you can actually get it by clicking on the link above. That, however, is mainly a monologue, which is just me talking about things to do with property, how people can learn about property and how they can make money from property. But I have now started a guest series, and my guest today is Malkit Purewell. Now, we are going to do as much of a deep dive as we can do into a person um, within one hour on Clubhouse. So, who is Malkit? Now, hey. Malkit, um, oh, can everyone hear me? Because I seem to have a bad connection. Okay, Malkit has been enriching the property industry for over 20 years, and he has spent the last 10 years specialising in HMOs and developments. His passion is to add value to properties through planning and design, while providing great deals that can benefit all parties involved. He takes abandoned buildings and transforms them with creativity, love and passion into HMOs and homes that can be inhabited and enjoyed. Market is a former commodity analyst, but he wasn't happy with his role, so he decided to pursue his dreams and become a full-time property developer. His drive and love for what he does have allowed him to build a successful career and he was awarded Commercial Property Developer of the Year at the Property Investor Awards 2020. A great accomplishment for him. He is the co-founder of Savoy's Property, an award-winning company that focuses on providing boutique-style, all-inclusive, affordable homes. So I'm going to change the link now to one of Savoy's. But Market, whilst I am doing that, can you please tell us what has been in the last five years the worst thing that happened to you and the best thing that happened to you, but it cannot have anything to do with property? Um yeah, so in the well, the last five years, in terms of the best thing that actually happened was um, I just had a baby girl uh, coming up to seven months ago. So uh, that clearly tops that list. Um, in terms of um, uh, the worst thing was probably I was, I was at work. I was a commodity trader, but then I was really passionate about property and I was just, just unhappy. But I was I was successfully doing both, um, and that was probably sort of the low point. I just thought, okay, I have to just make this switch and just go full time. And being um, nearly twenty years in full time work, it was a it was a big step, but it turned out to be a blessing in the end. Sorry, Malkit. I was trying to add the Savoy's um, group um, website link, 
But for some reason, Clubhouse doesn't like that link, so it wouldn't let me do it. Right. So what happened to you? You, you know, your, your, your daughter seven months ago. Is that your first daughter, your first child? Uh, that's my second child. So I've got a son who's seven years old and now my daughter is obviously my second child. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's it. We're done in that aspect. Wow. Wow. Do you know when, you know, with you guests, I like for people to hear about things that they wouldn't normally know about you, things that might not be on the internet, things that, you know, are not being gossiped about within the property world. So thank you for sharing those two things with us. Um, now, with, um, so let's now move on to property because, you know, most of the people in here are going to be property people. At what age did you buy your first property? Um, that was 22. So I was 22 years old. Wow. Wow. That's really good. I think I might have been 20. I can't remember how old I was. 23. So you definitely beat me there. And was it, um, a, was it for you to live in or was it for business purposes? Um, well, it was as a buy to let. I, t I tell you what the scenario of the situation. So uh, those who remember sort of the late 90s, you had a big dot-com boom. And I was actually studying uh, a management studies degree. And and literally everyone was just in some form of, uh, in, well, they were doing some sort of role within the technology industry. So I basically switched up in 99. I did a, master's degree in computer science and i thought okay look this is probably the route that i need to be going because everything's going technology based so i um i basically um completed that in 2000 and joined uh, a company which uh did pretty well up until that point um those that remember sort of 2000 2001 uh, one, you had obviously 9-11, but then lastminute.com floated and it got valued higher than like Unilever and all the rest of these companies. And it's literally just had a website and it was leasing an office. And then which led to basically uh, a collapse within the dot-com market. So shares fell and, you know, the market was in turmoil. And this company that I joined that had been pretty successful for 20 years prior to me arriving, uh, started shedding jobs and I... I just saw like grown men in their forties crying as they've been made redundant. I'm like, well, okay, wow, I need to, I need to ensure that I don't end up down that route. And that led me uh, towards purchasing my first property as a way of sort of uh, financial freedom in the, in the long run. Wow. I, I do remember those days. And I tell you, I was actually nearly wiped out myself. I was minding my own business, practicing the law, buying my properties, which was doing very well. And then a friend of mine came to me and said, oh, Patricia, we need to get into the dot-com um, era. I knew nothing about, you know, technology or dot-com or whatever. But yes, like you say, you know, last in fact, last minute hadn't actually floated when this person came to me. And um, it was all about Yahoo and there was no Google at the time. And um, 
and it was it was it was crazy it was all about valuations based on eyeballs that's what they used to call them then so yes i remember that very well so you clearly then went into property as a means of becoming financially independent so that you would not be in your 40s a man who's crying because he's lost his job uh, you know due to circumstances beyond his control amazing 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 and since you were 22 you have come a long way now it's a shame that i couldn't post a link to savoy's property um but i have i think hopefully i'll be able to pin a link to savoy's lending which is your new um yes that has been pinned fine um which is the new thing that you guys are doing do you want to tell us about it that is just so exciting so we'll go into the hmos in a minute but this is the new thing that you guys are doing so you are one half of savoy's property um and you and sanjay you've introduced this year in 2021 savoy's lending so people in the room if you want to know more about savoy's lending just tap on the link which will be above our heads and that will take you to the website and you can find out more about it but in the meantime Please, Malkit, tell us a bit more about Savoy's Lending. What made you go down this road and how is it going? Okay, um, so um, I think was it maybe two years ago, um, I think Shawbrook Bank uh, got taken over by, um, I think, Pollen Street Capital. So, um, and then a few directors of that bank actually left. And, well, I think they got paid out and they left and they set up... Um, a new company called Focused Lending. We, we dealt, we worked with Shawbrook Bank for quite a while and we built up a personal relationship with some of these individuals. We actually into, we, we were, we basically set up a, a little top up company where we were just lending um, some money to that company where we'll just maybe uh, go on as a, uh, first charge or potentially a second charge um, through this uh, company. But what happened was uh, when we went into lockdown last year, that new startup company lost its um, funding line. And as a result of losing its funding line, they uh, decided, okay, look, we, you know, it's too difficult. Literally everyone's looking for a funding line that's in that bridging market uh, that they were going to close. So they did end up closing and um so myself and sanjay decided okay you know what should we do with uh, this other company that we've bought and it, it worked well it's successful um so we've just decided just to keep it and we use that as a part of um our uh, overall business so for example we have some customers that approach us and they may not have the experience uh, to actually uh, achieve a loan or you know they may be uh, a certain aspect where they've got divorced and they've got a little issue with their credit history, but you can see overall they're okay. Um, and we we lend money there and then potentially do the build as well, just to help individuals. And there's, uh, I see there's one person within the group that in, well, in the room now that we did a, a loan for and we made a HMO for them, but they were una unable to achieve any finance, uh, funding uh, on the open market. So it's basically like a secondary line to our overall business. Uh, and it, and it works well, it's profitable, uh, as we're 
as we're doing our projects, we're you know moving small sums into that, and then just uh, we're hoping maybe you know five years down the line this will now become a lot bigger. But we're just in the current climate, just growing it uh, step by step. Wow. Well, definitely fingers crossed that it keeps growing from strength to strength. And that is an amazing, amazing, amazing service that you are offering to people. Because I remember, you know, back in the day when I, you know, first took out my mortgage, um, it was, you know, you've got to have, you've got to be earning, you know, so many multiple, or you've got to be, you can only get a mortgage for so many multiples of what you're earning. But you you know who you are and you know what you can afford and what not. And back in the day, like I'm saying, bank managers used to listen to you and they'd look at your, you know, bank accounts to see, you know, what kind of lifestyle you were living and everything, everything was so personal then, but now it's all computers. And if you don't tick the boxes, it's an automatic rejection. So it's amazing what you guys are actually offering. Now, you also help people with HMOs, don't you? Um, and apart from, you know, the funding side of things that you do, you've also, you know, kind of like you've got a collaboration going on with CP, with, with, with Carl, uh, CPC Finance. Um, and, um, and through that, um, do, you, do you want to actually tell the room how you might be able to help them if they're a newbie um, and they want to go into HMOs, how you can do it and, you know, what, what the funding line that you might be able to bring their way um, actually looks like? Sure. So um, basically, as well, we, we initially were doing projects only solely for ourselves. Um, we had friends approach us that wanted to do projects for friends or friends so people that we knew and we were turning their properties into hmos and then we saw that you know there's a little bit of a niche market here uh within the areas that we operate we then started doing projects for clients that came to us that we didn't know um and then obviously the areas that we operate are sort of uxbridge west london and sort of a half an hour radius from there However, the issues locally is like typically a property will be maybe starting around 400,000 in the current market upwards. So to purchase that, you need 100,000 and to potentially do the build to convert that to six ensuite rooms with the potential extensions, you're looking 150,000. And so that's a quarter of a million pounds and not everyone actually has access to that type of money. Uh, but the project sort of makes sense. So, for example, if they're buying that house for uh, 400 and they're spending uh, 150 on it, so they're in at 550, the property at the end was getting valued around 700K. Uh, and the client will be able to pull most of their funding out. So we approached via CPC Finance, we we approached Octane uh, Capital. So they're, they're a new lender. They've been around for four years. They've lent within those four years, they lent a billion pounds and they were, uh, I think their target is to actually lend a billion pounds a year. Uh, we, we've been working with them for several months and they've, you know, they come and seen us, seen the projects, met some of the clients that we've done projects for. What they've agreed is to do 75% of a loan day one and then to also um, value the property, uh, so to also uh, do 100% of the build so in this in this scenario of 150,000 of the build cost, they'll actually cover that, those payments. And more importantly, they'll also offer a guaranteed exit onto a term product. So if the property was valued uh, uh, GDV at 
six, seven, five, seven hundred. They'll basically come out and inspect, and once that's done, they'll allow them to easily move off from the bridging loan onto like a buy to let product. So it's quite unique in in the way that obviously a developer such as ourselves have has their own sort of product within a lender. And this year, since it's been launched, we've got probably I think. We launched this, I think, at the start of October, and we've got since then probably seven deals that are going through on that product at the moment. Wow! Yeah, so that's that's where we are with it. Um, there's, I think, there's details on our LinkedIn page and uh, on Instagram. I believe the article was published within in the HMO magazine. We made the front cover of that, so the, all the details of of the offering are all. Uh, documented within uh, that magazine. Great stuff. Market, can you just send me a link to that, please, on the back channel so I can pin it on... Oh, actually, why don't you pin it on the thing? Because you can do it as well. Yeah, that would be great. Um, okay, I haven't been on Clubhouse for quite a while, so I'll have to... <laughs> <laughs> think... Okay, just send me a link. Send me a link um, okay, cool. um, on, the, um, on the messaging thing, and I will do it. Okay, definitely. Um, Right. So just to recap on that product, you know, because normally people, if you want if if you want to um, buy and run an HMO, most lenders will require that you not be a newbie um, landlord, that you not be a newbie developer, that you actually have some experience. But through Savoy's um, group, you can actually as a brand new landlord or, you know, you want to become a landlord. You, you don't have any experience whatsoever you can go to them and once they've assessed you that you can actually you know you've got the money you've got the deposit and you can and you've got the wherewithal to actually do it they will then add to you the things that you are lacking to allow this funding to go through so they will lend you their experience they will lend you you know their their, their team their resources and you will be able to get your hmo as a brand new landlord that is an amazing service Do you know, i only really want people on this series who've got something to offer the industry in general and you know just listen to what these guys are doing it is amazing absolutely amazing um and market you guys also last year won a property industry investors award award and i should know what it's actually called property investors award for commercial developer and you you bought a property and you converted it didn't you into hmos do you want uh, to tell us about yeah that, so this 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 one was um it was an office in um burnham buckinghamshire uh we purchased it for six hundred and seventy thousand. We, I think the build cost was 500,000, so uh, 50K a unit. Once once developed, um, it was worth, it was valued at 2.25 million. And um, it ended up winning the commercial property deal uh, developer of the year awards at the property investor awards. Um, and this, this year we're actually, um, we're in the awards again this year. Uh, the awards are today, and uh, we're finalists now in six categories. So um, it'll be quite an interesting evening. 
Wow, definitely good luck, good luck. Because last year we were joint finalists, weren't we, for HMOs six and under? Yeah, that's right. And um, and that was where my journey ended. And uh, you know, these guys won in a different category. So you know, well done to you, and good luck for later later on today. Oh, do you know, to those things, wow, um, they grill you they absolutely grill you so to have won is an amazing it's an amazing achievement so well 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 done yeah, thank you um, so when we are looking at hmos can you just share with us what you look for when you go look for the property what you then plan to do um you know with the property and you what what how do you know how much you're going to be earning from it before you actually make an offer on the property in question is that something that you can share with the with yeah sure um well for us because we've been i think since 2020 uh, sorry 2010 we've been focusing on hmos so for us now it's sort of second nature um typically if we're looking at a product uh, property we're looking to see whether we can get six rooms within the uh, property and the reason we focus on six is um house prices in the areas that we operate are quite Hi. So for it to be financially viable, you typically need six rooms and uh, a communal kitchen. And that's the, the, the initial point. So we, when we look at something, okay, if I extend to the rear side loft, am I able to, to get the six? If we're not, then we typically don't really proceed with that. Um, and the reason is if you get six rooms, then you get it when you come to get it valued up, the value will calculate the total revenue minus some expenditure for running the property and they'll work out a commercial valuation based on that that basically allows either ourselves or clients to pull out majority of their funds and allow them to to go again uh, to purchase another property so that's that's basically the the key characteristic and then we work with um what we what we start to do is we've uh, worked quite closely with an interior design company just then to just focus on the flow of the house just to make it appealing just to ensure it stands out from the crowd and once it's let the you know the tenants will pro typically stay as long as possible they won't really look at moving to another hmo great great stuff so you say six rooms once you've got six rooms you can then get commercial lending in in your experience, is that six rooms where there's an Article 4 or six rooms where there isn't an Article 4? Um, I simply ask that question because, um, you know, with me, it's sort of like it, it, it's usually where there's an Article 4, but you are in an Article 4 area, aren't you? So I just thought, you know, let's highlight that for people in the room who might not be into HMOs, so they might not even know. Okay, yeah. So Article Four basically just means it's it, the council designates an area and says, look, you know, it's not permitted relevant to convert that to a HMO. So you have to go down a formal planning route. The only problem with that is the formal planning route. You're going to need fifty percent of uh, you need one car parking space per two people. So it, it's a lot. A lot of the time, it's probably not going to work. You have to have so much amenity space, etc. So we typically only buy an existing HMO in an Article 4 area and then revamp that. Um, or majority of the time, what we do is we focus on the neighbouring areas. 
uh, that are non-Article 4 and um, purchase and develop there because then we don't have the restrictions and you don't have the time limits of putting in a, uh, a three-month planning application. So, yeah, I only really focus on non-Article 4 areas. And, you know, people in the room, there's also something else that you don't know about Malkit, and that is that he also does a bit of the law. Because in, in 2015, he dealt with an appeal where he'd, uh, he'd uh, made an application to planning for a lawful uh, development certificate, and the planning authorities turned him down and he appealed to the inspectorate and he won. So, Market, I am talking about 47 Fairfield Road, West Drayton. Do you want to tell us what your experience was um, with that particular? Um, yeah, well, this this one was, um, there's obviously little grey areas on whether it's HMO or not. And typically at that point, I think back in 2015, the mortgage companies that I was working with, because R24 fours have come out, I just I, I thought the easiest thing to do was just get a stiff or lawful development, just to say, look, you know, what we've done is just lawful. Then it just makes the refinancing process easy. In that particular instance, um, the planning officer didn't contact us; just turned up to the outside of the property. I saw an intercom system, but we put an intercom system in just to avoid other tenants getting disturbed by you know someone ordering pizza eight o'clock in the evening and uh, you know six people rush to the door to see who it is so we just thought it'd be simpler just to spend a few hundred pounds and have um a, a place where whoever's at the door can just buzz at the correct room uh this planning officer turned up uh saw it as an intercom and then failed the application saying well it, it there's an intercom there it's likely to be uh, six self-contained flats so we're going to fail this um, which didn't really help us because as at the time we were refinancing it and um, we had to wait till the, the appeal was uh, settled to to actually refinance the property and pull our funds back out. But since then, we've uh, I just tried to stay on top of all the planning rules and regulations just to ensure uh, when dealing with either planning or planning enforcement that we have all the, the relevant case laws and so on. Uh, the main reason for it is um, a lot of the planning enforcement officers don't really understand uh, the planning rules themselves that they're trying to apply. So I'm typically having to sort of correct them by reverting them to uh, well, pointing them in the right direction of case laws and uh, the Town and Planning Act. You know, you are so right about, you know, the planning officers, quite a number of them, not, not even understanding the laws um, that they are, you know, trying to enforce or, or, or trying to, 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 to use. They, they just don't. And it's such a shame. And, um, and reading, you know, your appeal decision, it, was, it, it just made me chuckle. And um, I like, you know, the fact that, you know, you've been able to push the boundaries and, you know, guys, honestly, go on to Instagram for Savoy's group and, you know, have a look at the stuff that they do. It, it's really, really good. And I can see why, you know, people would want to pay, you know, good rent to actually stay in your properties because it's all about us, you know, running our businesses as you know as well as we can and you know sorry to kind of like use this pun but it's all about maximizing property values
because otherwise why are we doing what we're doing so you know guys you know market and sanjay you know hats off to you guys you know that is just really 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 good um it, it's um it's <laughs> You know, looking at that decision, actually, it was also really, really funny that it wasn't just the HMO side of things that the uh, local authority was, you know, looking to challenge. It was also the extensions that you'd done. You'd done, you'd done a rear extension and you'd done a, a, a side extension, I think. And they they were saying that those weren't on the PD either. Um, so, I, it, it, you know, it seems as if you actually had your hands full just dealing with that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. The, well, the, the big issue with planning officers is they're not really paid that well. So what happens is as they gain knowledge and start to understand the system, they they would rather go and become a planning consultant on their own, and they'll probably triple or quadruple their their salary. So typically, what you tend to have is individuals maybe just come straight out of university, or you know where it's it'll probably be like their second role and you know then they're thrown in and then they've got so many cases to sort of go through um because local uh councils don't invest in um in in their staff and the staffing numbers and the areas that i operate within they the local councils decided to outsource uh majority of the planning decisions to uh a third party company that is based in birmingham and those guys make decisions on applications based uh, 120 miles away. So it's um, it's a bit absurd, but uh, it's one of the reasons why I try to focus more on permit development, prior approval, rather than full full planning. Uh, yeah, it just added delays, to be honest. Wow, <laughs> you know that you know you're talking about um people working for local authorities and then becoming planning consultants. It it it, it just reminded me of something. So, um, a lady was talking to me about um what she was planning to do, and she was planning to in an Article Four area convert a C three in so convert a home into an HMO, and um and I said, oh, you know. I think that's an Article 4 area. She goes, oh, yes, it is. I said, well, you need planning. She goes, oh, my planning consultant said to me, oh, do it, because if you, if if the local authority don't come to you within four years, then you're absolutely fine. And I said, well, actually, that's wrong on so many levels, because one, you know, you're breaking the law. Two, it's not four years for, for a conversion to an HMO, it's 10 years. And apart from that, I don't know if you're aware of this, Malkit, but the local authorities now, what they're doing is if you breach planning um, laws and you are making money, so people like us, you know, developers and landlords and, you know, other people like that, and you're making money from it and they serve an enforcement notice on you and you don't stop, what they do apparently is they then just leave you be so they let you dig your own grave. And then after so many years, they come back and they slap you with a proceeds of crime um, um, confiscation order. So yeah. that just, yeah. So, you know, people, we need to be very, very careful. And if we're taking advice from people, please just make sure that you're getting advice from the right sort of person, not like this planning consultant who was advising this lady <laughs> to do something that was could cost her plenty going forward so you know be very very careful um yeah so just uh, uh, 
it's it's it, you say you talking about you know people leaving that to become planning consultants just reminded me of this person because that's what they did they used to actually work for the local authority and then they became a consultant but obviously not a very good one because they're advising people incorrectly unlawfully and incorrectly <laughs> well I, I saw in um, the property investor news magazine this month um, i think there's two individuals that have been um, taken to court under the proceeds of crime act and I think one was a hundred and eight hundred ninety thousand pound fine, and then the other one was two hundred and fifty thousand pounds fine. I think with the whole issue with this was this this proceeds of crime act was brought in place to go after money launderers and uh, drug dealers and so on. But I think one council used it against a particular landlord who didn't challenge it and probably turn up to court. And as a result, it's, it's, it's sort of set a precedent. And now, as you're right, local authorities uh, just allow, they, they sit back for two, three years, allow you to, to rent it out and so on. And they know exactly what's going on. But when they come for you, then they literally claim every single penny of rent that you've earned. And then they charge you with interest as well. So maybe, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's um, uh, some, something like 8%. And uh, literally, yeah, it's uh, it's enough to, to bankrupt an individual. I know it's it's just it's really, really bad because, yeah, like like you say, proceeds of, proceeds of crime act. That was really when, you know, when the when the legislation was passed, it was for, um you know, the drug dealers and, you know, people like that. But now they're using it for anything. If you break the law and you make money from breaking the law, boom, that's it. They, they sit back, they wait, and then they claim it. And the thing is, this is just the tip of the iceberg, as far as I can see it, because most local authorities are broke. They need money. And they can see that they can maybe get money through doing this, because even if you can't pay, the asset is still there. So they can just take your asset and sell it, you know, in an auction for something and get their money. So we do need to be careful. And the other thing that I was going to say, you, you know, you spoke about precedents and bad precedents, um, is the um, individual banding for HMOs when we talk about council tax. Now, you know, and you and I, market, I think we've had a number of discussions on this. And I think we're on different sides of the table where I say... Um, they can do it as long as you've adapted the premises um, for the purposes of allowing one person to live there um, in a way where they don't have to interact with um, other people. Um, and I think um, there's a consultant somewhere um, who says, well, actually, as long as it's not completely self-contained, so having a bathroom and a kitchen and, you know, the living areas, then, you know, they, they're not allowed to do it. I think it's, it's due to bad law which I think started in, in the 60s. Um, but that's another area where they're looking to clobber us. So if people don't know what I'm talking about, so normally for council tax purposes, you have different bandings. You have band A, which is the lowest banding in the local authority. You have B, C, D, E, and it goes up like that. Um, so normally you only have to pay council tax for um, self-contained premises, like houses and flats and, you know, things like that but they are now looking to charge each hmo room with band a council tax 
if you have taken the house and you've adapted it for the purposes of letting it, you know, as an HMO. Um, so that, again, is perhaps another um, thing that is in our future. I haven't been hit yet, but I've done my research. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I think it's I think it's inevitable. They are going to come after us because they need the money. But, you know, market share with us what you think on this. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so I think it sort of dates back to um, when David Cameron came into power. Uh, I think local authorities were saying we need fund funding and literally just said, well, just use whatever means that you have. So one of those was um, well, technically, if you extend your own family house and you're a, a band C and if all of a sudden you double the size of it, they can come and reband that as uh, a band E, F. So literally they're trying to do, well, they're trying to do, and they are doing that with uh, HMO rooms. Um, and the reason for it is uh, they consider it as a separate hereditament. And uh, it's, I don't think there's anyone that's been really successful at overturning these uh, appeal. Um, I'm monitoring a few Facebook groups on the the subject, but I think it's something that's coming to all uh, HMOs eventually. Then it'll just be a level playing field uh, with that. And what a lot of landlords are doing is just working out, you know, how worse off they can actually be with it, uh, and whether the model works. With us, uh, for example, if it's a if it's a six bed HMO, typically the um, the original council tax will be somewhere between fifteen hundred to two thousand um, pounds. In this case, they'll reband this as six rooms. It'll be maybe as a studio rate, which is basically a thousand pounds per room, minus uh, the twenty five percent single person discount. It works out at uh, four and a half thousand pounds and the way we justify it is okay look so if it was originally two thousand pounds now it's gone to four and a half does that two and a half thousand pounds break your hmo model and when we've done our myself and sanjay have done our calculations across the whole board if it does hit okay yeah it does have an impact on your profits but overall it's uh two and a half thousand pounds per property over the course of 12 months and it's still the, the our hmos are still quite profitable and um, there's no major impact and as, as councils will move this forward um, because they've got a list of every HMO that's licensed um, and even my local council are inspecting our HMOs and luckily with those ones they haven't done this whereas I know neighbouring councils such as uh, Royal Borough, Windsor uh, and Slough they just have a look at okay you know, uh, how's it described on the on the application? They don't even turn up to inspect the house, and they just send individual bills out. But it's, um, I think, it's something that's looking inevitable unless uh, you know someone wins a few appeals, and we've got some case law to to argue it. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I completely agree with you, but I, I, I don't think that anyone's actually going to be winning any appeals on this because. You know, like I said earlier, the you know the legislation actually goes back to the I think it was 1963 or 1964. It was some time in the 60s, anyway, where it was actually decided in court that you know for, for it to be a, a, a 
that thing, um, it didn't have to be completely self-contained. It, it, it just needed to be something where somebody could live without interaction with anybody else. And, um, and what they say with the HMOs is that even though there's a shared kitchen, people don't, not many people cook. So you can still live, you know, by yourself without using a shared kitchen because you might be, you know, a takeaway person. You might, you know, be, be that. So it's 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 really, really strange. It's at the moment in Croydon, which is where my HMOs are, um, I think they are, some of them are taking the view that if you don't have a kitchen in, in your room, you're OK which is not quite what the law says, but I'm not going to argue because I don't have kitchens in my rooms. <laughs> but, you know, like you say, it's something that's going to, you know, kind of like, you know, affect all of us at some point or other. And I really just hope they get on with it and just level out, you know, what is out there, you know, the playing field, because it's not fair for some to be bearing it and others to get away with it. And I know that at the moment I'm not paying it, but you know, it's still not really great because you don't know what's coming, you know, around the corner. And actually, just on this point, what I've done, as soon as I became aware of this, and so my, my ASTs for years now have a clause in there that says um, the landlord will be responsible for the council tax as long as a single bill is billed to the landlord for the house. Um, however, um, if... Um, something along the lines of I can't remember the wording because it's been there for years now I can't remember what I was what I actually wrote down but it, it's along the lines of if you're billed individually then the individual tenant is actually responsible for it and the reason why I've done that is for council tax purposes as well if you the landlord are responsible for the um, council tax then the tenant cannot claim the 25% um, single person's um, um, allowance to reduce that bill by 25%. So you would have to pay 100%. But if the bill is in the tenant's name or it is their legal liability, then they're entitled to claim back, you know, 25%. And that, again, just really helps you a little bit, just like Sanjay was saying, um, rather than £6,000, he's only got to pay four and a half, roughly, thousand pounds um for that property so it's another thing that we you know hmos it's you know it, not for the faint-hearted to be honest <laughs> um you know we can make loads of money from them and you know I, and, and i keep talking about my one room that is you know that i rent out for a thousand pounds a month in norbury it actually went on the market for eleven hundred pounds and i accepted an offer for a thousand pounds a whole year a whole year's rent paid up front and that is really really good but it is a great room it's a lovely room and you know if it wasn't worth it my tenant wouldn't still be there and she she's been there coming up for two years since the um conversion was actually done so um you know these things can bring a lot of money in but you know we need to just be aware of some of the pitfalls so market what other pitfalls do you um do you find in your business you know particularly with hmos um well the pitfalls is well once the easy bit is actually getting the property up and running so building hmo i find is the easier aspect is the management of it which is the difficult aspect and I've used several agents over the years and none of them have done what I actually wanted to do. So as a result, um, so, so the whole Savoy's properties only came about 
1st of April last year. So we actually ended up in lockdown. Uh, I was fed up with our letting agents and myself and Sanjay said, well, we've got nothing but time now. We're in lockdown. So why don't we just bring you all in? So we re renamed ourselves to Savoy's Properties and uh, we basically, 1st of April, we decided all the rents that are uh, letting agents were taken. We, were, we brought them all in house, and then we built a system uh, from scratch uh, that was focused around our uh, our tenants. Because in, if you don't have happy tenants, you don't really get paid. You get you get people that are handing in notices, and your turnovers higher. So it can be an absolute nightmare. So we've we built that up from scratch, and since then we've taken several people on that now uh, look after the letting side of the business allowing myself and Sanjay just to focus on the uh, development side. Um, but in terms of some of the pitfalls is basically um, one is tenant management, you know, not seeing to your tenants needs. If there's issues within the room or in the house, if you don't address them, you, you know, one, you'll lose your tenants Two, those. If there's a slow leak and you know, you haven't adjusted it uh, a, a month down the line, the ceiling may just uh, fall in. Um, so that that is actually quite important. Uh, having regular inspections of your HMOs, you'll probably notice something that hasn't been reported to you that will save you some trouble later down the line. Um, in terms of uh, HMOs, you have a lot of refuge, um, which if it's not managed in the right way, you can end up with uh, attracting vermin to properties. And we've had some where that's, the, the refuge hasn't been uh, managed correctly and you've ended up with rats within the property and they're a nightmare to, to, to get rid of. So these are things that we've now adjusted our business to, to allow it to, um, you know, so we can minimize the impact of uh, these causes. You've also got, with HMOs, it's effectively like a hotel where you've got a high turnover of people. So you may potentially, on a room, you may change that uh, tenancy twice within a year because uh, you tend to have a six-month break clause so you want to ensure you know the property is hard wearing so it doesn't age too quickly um, and then if you see, if you have a look at our photos on our Instagram um, you'll see basically some tricks which we employ just to make it a lot more durable um, and then yeah the the other pitfalls are there's a lot of regulations now involved with HMOs, you um, you need uh, quite a lot of certificates that need to be done. So obviously you've got your gas cert, you got your five-year um, uh, condition report for your electrics, you've got your emergency lighting, you've got your fire alarm, obviously the EPCs. Um, and as you build your portfolio, it can become uh, difficult to stay on top of it. So you need to have the right, uh, so we've got, we have like a customer relationship management software in place that helps uh, automate a lot of this and simplifies the whole process um, and obviously you've got things like deposits if you don't register your deposit within I believe it's like 28 days your your tenant can actually come after you for the deposit and then uh, I, I believe they can uh, claim four times as much back from you so it's um it can be costly if you if you're not aware of all the rules and regulations
Yeah, it's yeah, because um, apparently, yeah, it, yeah, the tenants can you know come after you for up to three times, you know, the deposit amount. And I think there are people out there now, kind of like selling that service. You know, was your deposit um, um, registered properly? And also, I can't help but just add, you know, as we're talking about deposits, it's not just about putting the deposit into you know, one of the, the government um, deposit schemes, you have to also serve the prescribed um, information. So it's, it's, two, it's a two-step process to actually get them to not be able to come after you for the deposit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, no, I you're right, you're right. It's not, it's not, it's not it's, easy. It's not easy, is it? it it's not easy. So, so the rewards are there, you know, the money is there, but also you need to be, you know, aware of, you know, just like you're saying, Sanjay, people just need to be aware of what, you know, their obligations are. Otherwise, you know, they're going to find themselves being fined and then out of pocket, which is not one, what anyone wants. We do not want that. We do not want that. So absolutely amazing. Oh, market. Did I say Sanjay? <laughs> <laughs> it's OK. It, it gets a bit confusing because I was just looking at my icon photo. Obviously, I've got uh, Sanjay, then myself. So, um, I am but it's so fine. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> At least I picked myself up. Do you know what? There are times when I say things and then it will be maybe like 24 hours later and I'll be thinking, did I actually say that? I know that's not what I should have said, but that's what I said. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, so thank you, Market, for coming over here. Now, people in the room, if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask Market, this is your opportunity. If you've been in the room from the beginning, you would have heard him say he doesn't come on Clubhouse that much anymore. So if you've got any questions, come up here right now and ask them of him. So he's into HMOs, into developments, into lending. He might be able to get you some lending. If you're looking to start up an HMO and you don't have any experience, this is the person that you need to talk to. And if you're not following him, follow him tap on his face, follow his, you know, scroll down his bio to his Instagram page and then click on that and go follow him on that because that is where you will get most of the information about what Malkit and Sanjay are doing in Savoy's properties, in Savoy's group and that is where you get your info because knowledge is key, knowledge is success, that is what we want. So anyone got any questions? No, it doesn't look like we have. Um, so I, well, I have one last question, actually. Um, and I hope you don't mind telling us about it. I, I actually want to know how you felt as an individual when you, when you um, got the information. So um, we um, were talking, we spoke earlier about, you know, this um, commercial development that you did, that you bought for six, I think it was 670,000, and it was downvalued by nearly 200,000 pounds. Oh, it hurts when I read that, when I read about that. But now it's, it's, you've finished the works, you spent about half a million on there, and you've now got something that's worth in excess of two million pounds. So obviously it's it's a good story. But when you got that valuation report that said it was only worth, I think, 470 or whatever, how did you feel? Or how did you how did you cope with it? Did you sleep that night? 
I love that. Yeah, no, I, no, I did sleep that night. But um, one thing is, because we've been property a little while, so I try not to, I keep with, with stuff within property, we're trying to keep it logical. So obviously I was in um, IT as well. So I'm for me, it's, it's just, it's just logic as, and I try to remove motion from property. Um, I saw basically the, the value undervalued at 200,000. Obviously we weren't happy about it. We had a moan to our broker, you know, and the broker will say, you look, put in an appeal, you do the appeal and nothing happens. But at the end of it, we, uh, myself and Sanjay knew what the end goal was. So, uh, we understood there was a few tricks that we could apply to increase the number of flats within the building. So I think most people, when they looked at it, thought you only can get five flats in there. Um, but we managed to get 10, I think it was uh, two, two bedroom, five, one bedroom and three studio flats within the building. Um, and so we knew what the end goal was and we knew it was going to be profitable. So we, we just had to find the, the balance of the funds and uh, just proceed and just go ahead and do those works and never inevitably it was uh, uh, a nice feeling when we actually got it valued up once complete and then also it was um, it was quite nice uh, a few magazines uh, picked up on that development uh, i think your property network property investor news both covered it and obviously we won the commercial developer of the year award as well at the property investor awards so there was a silver lining to it but i think when you go into property you've got to sort of distract from the emotional side and you have to look at it as a business and it is only a business so even when you're managing a property you get a leak at your property or something happens try not to to look at it emotionally just work it out as a business okay look that's fine there's an it's an impact a little bit of your revenue this month but just get it fixed because you know that's that's your role and that's your responsibility as a responsible landlord as well wow do you know it, it, it's one of the reasons why i uh, oh, i would not have been able to sleep for a whole week i tell you because <laughs> um, that would have literally just thrown all of my figures out of the window two hundred thousand pounds nearly a third uh, we were we were like that it just started train your mind you have to basically train your mindset to when you start off in property you know you're uh i think when you're looking at instagram and uh back when we were uh it was there wasn't really no well there's no instagram i think facebook wasn't really around either um and so you know you're just hearing word of mouth this person's doing this this person's doing this and now with the rise of social media and everyone's selling the dream um you know, if you go ahead and try to do something for the first time and, and knock back on that, it can be very disheartening. But, um, yeah, you, you you learn that, you know, this is all part and parcel of the industry. Um, and, and it's the same valuer that Dan valued it initially, and they came back and gave, gave a great valuation at the end. So it's, it's, it's quite bizarre, to say the least. <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I, well, one I thing with uh, <laughs> with surveyors and valuers, that I, I think embarrassment is the the least thing they worry about. <laughs> I I completely agree with you. Do you know? Thank you so 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 much um, 
Market for coming on today and talking to us about, you know, what you do. Absolutely amazing. Now, you know, if people want to know where they can um, listen to um, this, it will be on Clubhouse. So if you if you um, are following either myself or Market, you will be able to find it on our profiles. It will also be under the club, maximising property, pound, 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 because it didn't allow me to put maximising property values. So that was the best I could do. And it will also be on the podcast um, um, platforms. So if you tap on the link, which is above, you will be able to find it on um, Apple, Spotify, Audible or wherever um, as a bonus scene. So, you know, people, it will be here and it will be on the um, uh, podcast platforms as well. But on that note, I really, really, really would like to say, market. Thank you so much for doing this with me. And again, I say to people, if you're not already following Market, you know, do so now. Do so, you know, particularly on Instagram and, you know, learn, learn from him. And I tell you what, Market is so generous with his knowledge and he he shares with people. And he is just somebody that, you know, if you want to learn, he will teach you. And he he won't mind, you know, sharing information with you. So on that note, I really want to say thank you very, very much, Market, for, you know, coming here and being my guest. And it has been my pleasure to get to know you a bit better. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patricia. And um, I just wanted to add, it was actually uh, nice to finally meet as well uh, at the Excel uh, Investor Show uh, uh, last month. <laughs> Yep. Yes, I the, the guys were there and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to be there. I, I hadn't met them. We've exchanged a number of emails and texts and things. And I thought I am going to meet them. And I went there and I, yeah, it was lovely to meet you. Yeah, thank you very much. Nice to put like, you know, a human face, not a photograph, but a human face to, you know, your view of, you know, who that person is. So, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, fab. And... And people in the room, again next week on Wednesday at 12 noon, I shall be back here with, next week, Stephanie Taylor, the queen of Rent to Rent. So if you want to find out about Stephanie and Rent to Rent, this is the place to be on Wednesday at 12 noon. So that will be Wednesday, the 1st of December, and I shall be here. But in the meantime, have a great day and thank you for spending your afternoon with us. Please, if you honestly enjoy these, please do rate, please review the show because that will just help me know if you're actually enjoying what is being done and it will also help other people find it. So if you found it useful, help other people find it as well. But thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy.